Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, Stiff Farm going 99. Don't get it twisted. One and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the side. Hi guys and welcome to a special episode of the 49th UK show. So this isn't technically the live show, this is an extension of our Monday night podcast, the one where we uh, review the previous week's game. Um, you'll have heard from the podcast last night, <laughs> neither me or Paul made it home on time because our trains were cancelled. Um, and that's still a bit of a, a sore point because I haven't gotten the full refund for that. Apparently our train left 40 minutes after after we were told it was cancelled. Um, so we went, we went back in time to do the podcast. And to be honest, my, my voice at the moment, it, it's sounding quite good. Um, I sounded like uh, Nick did last night on the live show. I kind of suffered a little bit over the, uh, over the weekend with shouting a lot on the Sunday night. So tonight's show is going to be all about the watch party, the weekend, and basically what happened, what we thought of it, because this has been something that's been in the offing for quite a long time. It's been a slow build-up. We've been um, part of the whole planning of the watch party. Um, the one thing that we weren't part of and we didn't know about until Friday night was the whole ticket allocation. Um, so that came as a bit of a surprise to us. But we'll talk through that as well, as well as discuss the venue itself, the food and drink, uh, the atmosphere, what the Niners were like. The Obviously, Joe Staley was there. Um, Delaney Walker turned up halfway through the night as well, which was kind of a, a, a bit of a surprise for for pretty much everybody but myself I, I had actually been told about that and completely forgot so when he turned up i thought oh yeah delaney's coming um so that was kind of a little bit of a surprise for myself so yeah we, we, what we're going to do we're going to start off with the actual day itself because I, i've been there since the thursday i've been in london since the thursday i had a business thing and then friday night i spent with the guys from the 49ers discussing the way forward the way we grow the fan base in the UK, asking them what we can do for them, how can we help them obtain their objectives, and going through some of the things that was going to be happening on the Sunday night, um, which is where I started to get a little, um, little snippets of information coming through that we hadn't been told before. Um, I wasn't particularly worried about it at the time because I didn't think it was going to be an issue. Um, obviously, uh, it, it turned out to be an issue for a, a very small minority of people. Um, but it was an issue, and it's an issue that will be taken seriously as we move forward. If you're part of the Facebook group, you'll have seen that I've already put in the post for Lessons Learned. We do this after every meetup. The reason we do this is so we can learn from our mistakes, we can make the next one better, and hopefully we'll, sometime we'll get to the point where it's pretty much perfect. So before I go any further, I see that uh, Wayne Humphrey's in the... Um, in the chat there. So I'd just like to say a big thank you to Wayne. Wayne came in and he basically spent the vast majority of his night going around taking photos and he got some really good photos indeed. Um, he's already told people, if, if you want the full res version of them, just reach out to them and he's more than happy to uh, pass those across. Um, the photos are great, Wayne. Thank you very much for sending them across. Um, I will have no doubt uh, some fun to play with tomorrow as I am um, going through colour grading them, which is why I asked for the raw photos, <laughs> because I'm very choosy. <laughs> okay, so under the actual, the Sunday itself. So as I said, Paul came down, Paul got down for, was it about one o'clock, Paul? Yeah, one o'clock, so 
travel down from Darlington with Oliver Stretfield. So cheeky shout out, Lee, because like you said, part of these meetups is connecting with your friends. And we travelled down, sat next to a Dallas Cowboys fan. So our journey down was fantastic, mate. <laughs> fantastic indeed. I'm glad this is not the normal part because I'm, I'm going to overuse the word fantastic <laughs> on this show. I'm going to yeah, get it all Yeah, it doesn't count. Out. It's well documented. It doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like verbal diarrhea. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. So you came down. You came down with Oliver Stratfield. You got down to London for about one o'clock. What was the plans once you got into London? Because you still had a good uh, four hours before we were due to be at the venue. Yeah, so I'm glad you asked, Lee, because I haven't given you my feedback yet. But one of the areas of improvement I would like to see is we're known on the 49 Faithful UK for the pre-meet. And I feel that on Sunday, as much as I got to London as quick as I can, unlike you, I wasn't able to clear my diary. I mean, family wedding on the Saturday. As soon as I got off the train, me and Oliver met up with Nick Ludlam. Uh, we met with Jay Peplow. And there was another chap from the group. Um, and then it was kind of... A bit crazy. Your phone was probably like my phone between one and four, getting d different messages off people. Yeah. But we headed to the hotel, couldn't check in, picked up Sarah, and then we headed over to meet you guys in Soho at the absolutely awesome pizza place, which I'm sure we've got to give a shout out to. Yeah, so that pizza place was called Japes. Um, I'm not entirely sure what part of Soho that was in. But to be honest, I, I was very surprised when we were walking down the streets around there. I, I'd never ever been to that part of London before. That kind of stayed clear of Soho. The closest I'd get to Soho was Chinatown. So when we started walking towards this restaurant and I saw the number of bars and restaurants in that actual area, I, I was quite pleasantly surprised. Um, and when we got to Japes, yeah, the, it was a really good restaurant. Um, we all... I don't know what your expectations were of that pizza because I was expecting something like a, a more like a a Napoli style pizza. It wasn't quite that. It was slightly different. And I think everybody had the same thought when the pizzas came out because they looked really small. Yeah. But I couldn't even finish my pizza. It was that filler. <laughs> and that's unlike me. I mean, I can happily sit at home, order a 10-inch pizza and eat that by myself. And this pizza came, it must have been about eight inch. And like I said, it kind of looks small, but I, I just couldn't finish it. Yeah, it so great. big shout out to Neil Graham for arranging that. But So that for me is, I got off the train, Lee, and I knew I was heading to meet you guys. So there was about 20 of us at the pizza place, which the vibes started going. And I suppose that's what set the tone for the crazy few hours, because then I started getting messages from people saying they were at the venue, we were being we were officially telling people it was a five PM start. Some people were passing information that the venue only hold a hundred, two hundred, two hundred and sixty. Get here as quick as you can. But just to rewind, walked into the Premier Inn and I forgot I hadn't met Sarah in person before. And right. we embraced like old friends and I'm smiling because I think the theme of the weekend is the community that we're growing. There's people we're meeting for the first time and we said it before. It's like you're seeing family and Sarah has commented since how welcome she felt and obviously she felt safe coming back to the hotel at the end of the night. And you've titled this show, right? It was the biggest one yet. And I think we've done well to let it digest for a couple of days because yeah. there's a lot that to take away from it. But after the pizza place, I think you came with us. We started heading towards our hotel. 
I was a passenger princess, everyone. Arthur Oddly and Nick. I did not know my way around London because I didn't need to. I let you guys direct me and it kind of flashed and it didn't feel real until me and you were stood in the venue with Joe Staley and we could see the excitement building up outside. Yeah. So yeah. those getting off the train to that moment kind of went in a flash for me. I don't know what it was like for you, buddy. Um, so, I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd been out there since Thursday. I, I had other things on during that weekend where I, I'd actually met up with the guys. Um, so I, I wouldn't have said it went in a flash, but you mentioned something about your phone going crazy. Yeah, mine started to go a little bit crazy from about 1 o'clock onwards. We were starting getting messages through. People were panicking a little bit. And, and at the time, at the time, we were still expecting people, everybody, to get into the main venue. We didn't think it was going to be as well attended as what it was. Going back off previous um, watch parties, the most that had ever turned up who'd registered tickets was 60%. And they'd kind of gone off that figure for how they judged how many tickets they were going to sell off. Obviously, it was free. How many tickets you were allowed to register for? So, yeah, to 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 have pretty much close on a hundred percent of the people who registered turn up w w was incredible. It's just a shame that um, obviously we had the capacity issues because we weren't expecting anywhere close to a hundred percent. We're expecting more like sixty to seventy percent, which we had a contingency for. Um, and we had to use that contingency as the overflow venue, and even that filled up. So it came as a big surprise, and it shouldn't have, though. So the difference between the capacity in the venue, in the main venue, Broadleaf, and the area that we had set aside in the other pub, which I can't remember what you call it now, um, the Gold, the Gold Bar? The Gold Bar, Gold Leaf, the Goldman. Uh, yeah, to be honest, something like it's five minutes. But the balance, the balance of the tickets registered, had we'd reserved that area in that overflow bar. So once we started getting word back that people were getting turned away from that, we were a little bit confused because they shouldn't have been. So something's gone wrong there, and the 49ers said they're going to look into that because that shouldn't have happened. Um, obviously, it, it was so well attended that. Um, the amount of giveaways was slightly under the amount of people who turned up, which I think um, it, it took me by surprise because normally they go over heavy yeah. on the giveaways because at the end of it, each other watch party, they've always turned around to me or yourself and said, look, do you want to take a load of these away Um take them back for people who couldn't turn up, which is what we had the intention of doing. A few people had reached out and we said, yeah, we'll get you some if there's any available. Um, but unfortunately, there's just none available this time. It got to a point where a certain part of the way through the night, we actually had our bobbleheads taken off the table. So obviously me, me and Paul were first in the venue. We went in because we, we had some um, media stuff to do. So we, we kind of got through the door straight away, tried to get that out of the way, which is why we kind of jumped the queue. But there was a good reason for it. So we all met up on the afternoon. We've had some food. We've had a couple of drinks, and then we've headed off down to um, down to the city to where the Broadleaf is. A few of us went into um, back to the hotels to quickly get a, a quick change or pick stuff up, um, like I did. And then we headed down to the Broadleaf. So I think we got to the Broadleaf about quarter past four. Yeah, That's you were there. Got there. You yeah. were there before me, definitely. So. I, I, I was absolutely gobsmacked 
we got there, the length of the queue, I wasn't expecting that. And I know this was the type of thing the 49ers wanted, so they could do the whole yeah. video running down the queue. But I wasn't expecting that many people to be there at, at that time. So that, that quite surprised us. Um, I thought it was well organised, the initial glut of people that went through there. Obviously, like I said, I went straight into the venue straight away. I had to uh, liaise with the 49ers PR um, to find out when the Sky the Sky interview was going to happen. Um, there was also a couple of other interviews that were supposed to happen, but they didn't turn up. They didn't actually turn up to the venue, which I was quite happy about because I'd said to uh, Caleb, the guy from the 49ers who looks after the, uh, the PR, I was going to not drink until all the interviews were done just to keep myself right. So he made sure that the Sky interview came up quite quickly. But then I think it was by the end of the first quarter, he became aware that the guy from the Daily Mail wasn't turning up. Um, and the guy from the other channel, oh, it was the BBC. The guy from the BBC wasn't turning up. Um, so that allowed me to start drinking um, <laughs> and, and kind of relax a little bit because I had been a little bit worried about how the, how the whole event was going to go off. As I said, when I met up with the guys on the Friday night, we were actually looking at a different venue altogether. This was for a future meetup. The reason we couldn't have it that weekend is because of the rugby was on. The venue actually looked quite big. It was over two floors again. Um, at first, I didn't think it would work, but the more I thought about it, the more I got used to the venue itself. I thought, actually, this might this might be a decent venue. So we started talking about the ticket allocation and first come, first served. And I, I was under the impression that there was possibly, I thought capacity was 450. Yeah. But I was I, wrong about that. I thought that as well. So the capacity free. turned out to be 350 in the Broadleaf and 150 in the um, the Overspill pub. So we had the 500 covered. So I, I was a little bit surprised, but then they went through the rationale for it and they said, look, in previous events, that's when you got your 60%. So I understood that, and they used apparently an industry metric to work that out, how, how many tickets you should uh, register. If you want to fill your venue, which is what the idea was, fill the venue, because it's all a promotional thing. It, it's about growing the fan base, driving the fans in. Um, so I, I've got to say, I was a little bit worried because I had actually told people, if you're in London, and you don't have a ticket, it might be worthwhile calling along because you'll probably get in. And that was that was my impression based off the, the previous meetups, the ones in there, the box at Leeds, the one at Ellen Road at Leeds. Ellen Road, we saw exactly the same amount of tickets, 500. And I think there was only 230 people turned up that night. Do you think so the weather helped, to show. Lee? Do you think, because you said you were worried about that. I don't mind sharing. Me and you chat all the time. Yeah. We are friends off the screen. I was nervous people weren't going to get in. I was nervous that I knew the Niners wanted the queue, but without knowing what the venue looked like, and you're right, the footage, I think uh, Kev has put it on the chat, Kev Williams, it was crazy to see that queue, but it was well done. And everybody was up for the, you know, Nick Clark legend coming out, working the crowd. I thought it was a nice touch, Lee, that Joe Staley came out and met everybody in the queue, went down the line. And I think it was the first time I'd kind of seen that American idea work over here because I know Nick and the team do that for the invasion trips out in the States but I think we struck lucky with the British weather because me and you based in the north 
when Nick says I want people queuing outside, me and you automatically think it's going to rain. <laughs> so that's yeah. what I was nervous about, mate. Yeah, and, and not only rain, I thought it was going to be uh, freezing cold. It wasn't too bad, actually. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if that's because we kind of speed marched all the way down from the tube <laughs> down to the venue, which was a good five, ten minute walk anyway. That might have warmed, up, warmed us up a little bit. Uh, I can imagine those that had been stood in the queue from four o'clock or earlier were feeling a little bit chilly, especially those just wearing um, jerseys. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was organised well the way they did it. So let, let's move on to the actual opening of the event. So yeah. we were inside. Um, Gary Gary Thorpe turned up. He he kind of greeted everybody as they went in. We were busy sorting other stuff with with Nick, with the guys, trying to get stuff put together, um, making sure that the the area was secure where the media were going to sit. Um, so then it opened up, and straight away Joe came along, and Joe talked to basically everyone. What what was your impression of Joe Staley, and what he actually did on the night? Not not just that first part, but all through the night. Well, I again, what do I know, Lee? How was said the people with me all day? We're not going to get anything signed. There's not going to be enough time. You know, Joe Staley, legend. Didn't think it'd be closed off. And we've all watched the Joe show. But from the seconds that me... So I walked in the bar, everyone. Lee's already met Joe. Um, he's already been there for an hour or so. You'd met him on Friday night. I was a little bit starstruck. And I remember his wife coming over to me and saying, oh, you working with Lee? Heard what you do on the social media. And then I came over and kind of... You and Joe greeted me like an old friend. And he seemed genuinely interested in the UK fan base. And obviously you introduced me as a social media guy. And I did think, Lee, that was it. I was going to have my five minutes with Joe Staley. Wouldn't see him for the rest of the night. I wasn't going to get a giveaway. Wasn't going to get a photo. And I thought he'd kind of just stand at the front. But every person who came in, he greeted. And I've said to, um, I was at work today, Lee. There's a Bears fan saying, that meetup looked awesome. Those photos with Joe Staley looked awesome. And I said, yeah. you know what, Andy? I said, that man has gone up even more in my estimation. He's a legend to all Niners fans, but he interacted with everyone, Lee. He gave time for everyone. We all have our personal stories. I celebrated a touchdown with him, which I'll never forget. We'll get to later on. He was just so given with his time, and he didn't seem like he didn't want to be there. Nothing was too much trouble. And he, he was saying to me, he loves the UK, he loves London. And I don't think I've heard a bad word said about that man and his wife, because she was just as engaging with the fan base. And I think yeah. they were a credit to the organisation. They've set the bar. I mean, Joe Nedney was impressive in Leeds. Let's take nothing away from But Joe Staley added another level to me for fan engagement in the UK. What were your thoughts? Do you think I've hit the nail on the head? Or Yeah, so I mean, I knew how, I knew how amenable Joe was, but I didn't think he'd spend the whole night going around talking to people. Uh, giving photographs, giving autographs. Uh, I thought he was very good in that. And I, I should have known, actually, I should have known. So one of, the, one of the things he did mention on the Friday night was he wants to get more involved in the UK fan base. Uh, I think the intention with Joe and his wife is to one day move out to the UK. They love the UK that much. Um, what, what I did find surprising, and I, again, I don't think I should have been surprised about this, um, but Joe can be a bit of a wind-up merchant. Yeah. So, so we've gone on about football because Joe likes to call himself the owner of Leeds. He, he's a minority shareholder of Leeds. We said, oh, you do know I'm a Leeds owner, don't you? Um, so we got on talking about Leeds and 
the fact Sunderland's in the same division. And as soon as he found that out, he was just prodding me all night with uh, with quips about Sunderland and, and how Leeds are going to destroy them. And he was just pressing the buttons, <laughs> finding how, how far he could push us. So he, he was funny in that respect. Um, he, he's a really intelligent man. He's a really intelligent man. He studied business. He majored in business when he was at uh, University at the State of Michigan. Um, but his real passion is actually history. Um, he told he told me about a book. Um, it's about the Wild West. It's about basically San Francisco, the Gold Rush. Uh, it's called Blood and Thunder. Um, so I'm going to download that through Audible. Have a listen to that. Um, and he's got a real passion for it. He mentioned that um, one of the guys that he played with at college, at university, he'd gone back after he'd finished his playing career and uh, he'd done a degree in history, to which Joe replied, well, <laughs> what are you going to do with that degree in history? And he said, well, I don't know, I just wanted to learn about history. And that, that's kind of the passion that Joe's got. And, and it does come across. He's got a passion for stuff like history. He's got a passion for the UK fan base, U the UK in general. He, he was an unbelievably impressed with the turnout we had, the passion we had. Um, obviously, when we all started uh, shouting his name during the game as well, he was moved. He was moved by that. So, yeah, I mean, to go around and literally entertain every single person that came up to speak to him, that, that must have been a, a long evening for him because um, obviously he was there to watch the football as, as well as be an ambassador for the 49ers. Um, but he, he did such a good job. He did such a good job. And it was good to see him with the flag. And yeah. I think he, he definitely wants to come back. He mentioned to Nick, um, whenever you come back in, to the UK for a watch party, I want to be there. Yeah. So that you said the flag, Lee. So he took, I felt like a proud father, you know, when Wayne and the 49ers wanted that photo, and I think it was in the middle, and everyone had to crowd round. And what yeah. was quite interesting is me, you, <clears throat> Gary, Nick Ludlam, like the admin members, the face of the group, front of the better word, we were stood right at the back. And I was beaming from here to here to see Joe Staley holding the flag. And at the end of the night, after he'd given his jersey away, I, I went over and I said, oh, and can I have a photo with me and Nick Ludlam with a flag for our Tuesday show? And he was asking about the Tuesday show. He was asking how many YouTube stuff we've got. But I just wanted to interrupt you and share my fantasy football story, which you've heard. Yeah, that's right. So Joe was on his phone, everyone. And I said, oh, are you checking your fantasy teams? And he said, yeah, I've got two. I'm stressed. I can't manage two. And he was like, how many do you have? I started just the 11 this year, Joe. At which point he did the Joe stare and he was like, just the 11 this year, how many did you have last year? So I told him 57 and he just got his phone out, rang someone and was like, repeat what you've just said to me. I was like, yeah, I had 57 fantasy teams and I explained about the Achilles rupture and he was very genuinely asking about my rehab. He was asking about the work me and you do and he was blown away that we do this as volunteers, that this isn't our job, that me and you have, you know, partners, wives, children, real jobs, as I kept saying to Joe. And to touch upon what you said, he was blown away by the fact that we are working alongside the 49ers. And he said, like, as a fan chapter, he hasn't seen anything like this. And that, that meant a lot to me. I, I know we always talk yeah. about how far we've grown. Love Nick Clark, love Ali Dickin, love all the team. And they give us enough praise. But to hear that from a 49ers legend left me a very happy man, mate. Yeah, I, th I think one of the things that I mentioned, um, which kind of, which kind of got to him a little bit. When I say got to him, which meant a lot to him. Everybody treated him not so much as a footballer, but as a person, and he really appreciated that. I, I think 
had we just used them as an object, somebody who used to play for the 49ers, I, I think it would have just been a business as usual night. But the fact people wanted to talk about other aspects of his life, about his travelling, about his passions, then I think that really um, that really made him think, you know, well, I, would, I would love to come back here. And, and what his, his exact words were, I want to come back and see us win with the UK faithful. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Have you seen? I'm going to put this comment up. So, Colin's yeah, still in my thunder. A hundred fantasy teams. I got enough grief last year, Colin, off Tracy for 57, and I cut down to 11. <laughs> but a hundred, that is impressive. We'll pass it on to Joe Colin when we head out to the gold mine in a month's time because I'm hoping we bump into him. Because he did say, Lee, if you guys are ever out here and I'm around, let me know. So, who knows? Yeah. We might have a part two of the Joe show with the UK faithful. So be before we jump into the re the rest of the night at the Broadleaf uh, and what he made of the facilities and everything like that, you you've just shared that uh, story of your fantasy. I'm, I'm going to share a story that was of the weekend, um, and I know I know this person's dying for us to talk about it, so I'm going to share it anyway. <clears throat> <laughs> so, so my phone. Like, like Paul says, his phone was like going mad because people were kind of worrying about getting in. My phone was going mad for a completely different reason. And I kept on getting messages of people asking if I needed a seat. And at first it didn't click with us because it was early on the Sunday morning. I'd, I'd get out, I'd met up with David Betridge, I'd met up with old Ben. We found a pub not far from uh, Covent Garden, have a pint. And David Betridge made a point of saying... Uh, do you want a seat? Do you like that seat? And I'm thinking, where's he going with this? <laughs> Where on earth is he going with it? And then the penny dropped. So Saturday night, myself, Martin Hughes, David Betridge, and old Ben had been out round, um, been out round London. Um, we eventually uh, found somewhere to eat after trips and round London for quite a while. Had something to eat. Had a few drinks. Met up with some of the 49er fans in the sports bar. We were hoping to watch college football, but it wasn't on until late on, quite late on. And I think uh, we kind of left about half 11, just before the tubes stopped working. So we were going in opposite directions. Me and Martin were going in one direction. David and Ben were going in the other. So we kind of split off and went down our own tube lines, whichever one it was. And me and Martin gets on there, the first tube that comes up. And it was pretty full pretty full so everybody must be having the same idea as us let's get back uh, let's get back to the hotels before the tube st uh, stops so so I'm probably going to go down a rabbit hole here but you know how you know how Paris is is recognised as the um, the city of love yeah the city of romance so me and, me and Martin gets on this tube and there's no seats anywhere so we stood at the back and uh, I turn around and I look around and I see this young woman smiling at us and I smile back and she got she gets up and she comes towards us I thought oh I <laughs> she leans in and she says would you like me seat sir <laughs> to which I said I'm not that bloody old Martin has absolutely creased because Martin's older than me and she's gotten up from an old age pensioner's seat that you're supposed to give up for old people and she's asking as if I want a seat <laughs> 
So Martin is dead at this point and he doesn't stop laughing all night. And sure enough, he breaks his neck to text every person he can possibly text before Sunday morning. So they all knew about it. So I'll share my story for that. I get added into a group chat on the train on the way down to London. Martin, several others. And he says, when you all see Lee later, just say to him, are you okay, mate? Do you want a seat? He'll know what it's in reference to and he'll know it's me who told you to say it. I had no idea what it meant. Totally forgot about it. Sat down in the pizza shop opposite Martin. He was like, have you said anything to Lee yet? I was like, oh yeah, Lee. And you were like, bugger off, Paul. <laughs> I know what you're going to say because everybody who's seen you has uh, said it. So it's little snippets like that for people who are watching. And if you haven't been to one of our meetups yet, it isn't just the watch party, is it, Lee? It's the weekend. It's connecting with your friends. It's connecting yeah. with family. And it's just, we will all, whenever anyone asks you now for a seat, you're just going to be transported back to London to mine, winding you up. Yeah, yeah. I'll never, ever let live that one down. I was telling my work colleagues today, and <laughs> they've all had a good laugh about that. But it is what it is. Oh. I have to uh, just console myself with the fact I am getting old. Guess what? You're getting at the gold, man. Yeah, yeah, that'll be about right. That'll be about right, Ty. Honestly, I mean, I, I couldn't do anything but laugh. And I think because I was laughing, the girl kind of felt a little bit self-conscious. Um, but I did find it funny. It, eventually, you could see she was smiling and she saw the funny side of it. Um, but it is what it is, like I said. <clears throat> so back, back, back to the actual venue itself. Did, did you go both floors? Did you have a look on both floors? Yeah, so I wasn't drinking on Sunday. Um, it's weird because I want to enjoy myself, Lee, when I'm there. But given the growth of the group, and given that we kind of were promoting the event, I kind of want to lend a hand to Nick Clark. So my first thought when I walked in was the section that was cordoned off for the media and for Joe and his wife. I felt it was appropriate. I didn't think it was a big space. I was actually worried it wasn't big enough because by the time... Talk yeah. Sports set up, Sky Sports set up. Then I was doing the interview with Fanzest and you were milling around. Joe and his wife literally had a tiny table. And I know at one point they got some food and myself, you, Gary Thorpe, kind of played bodyguards. Like, yeah. not that people were bothering them. I'm not, don't want anyone to take offence. Everyone was respectful of Joe. But when we noticed he was eating, we kind of formed a little bit of a protective barrier to which him and his wife thanked us for when they got up. They said, you know, we really appreciate grabbing something to eat. I went upstairs just to see what it was like because at first the upstairs didn't fill up. So when people were coming in, me and Gary were greeting people. Then there was you, there was Joe. And people naturally started to kind of circulate around what I call the dance floor because it was obvious that was yeah. a big screen. Now, at the end of the first quarter, after Nick did the first giveaway, I headed upstairs because at this point you don't know who's part of the 49th Faithful UK, who knows who. And I did a circuit around the room now, not one person said hello, not one person said anything to me. So I assumed they may be new members, maybe people who didn't want to be bothered because we have said on the pod, we're an inclusive group. If you want to come along, but you don't want to be in the hustle and bustle. So then I came back downstairs and then Nick Clark and myself went for another walk later on. And we felt the vibe upstairs was a bit more chilled out. It was a bit more calmer than downstairs. And then, to be honest, I didn't go back up until after the game because... For me, I wanted to be in the hustle and bustle. I wanted to be in the middle. Um, it was obviously made epic because Joe 
was in the middle and was milling around. I didn't sit down all night. <laughs> I remember saying to Nick when we got back to the hotel, I think the first time I sat down, Lee, was when we got to the sports bar after the event. So I, I thought the venue was appropriately sized, given what information we had, like you said, basing it on 60%. But did you make yourself upstairs at any point? Yeah, so I went up three or four times just to do a wander, like a floor walk, um, wandered around, seeing if there was anybody from the 49th FFA UK up there. Um, I think Luke and Claire were up there initially. I, I spoke to them for a little bit. Lawrence Loft was up there. Other than that, I, I didn't particularly notice anybody else, like you said. I, I didn't recognise anybody. But the problem I've got now is that I know a lot of names, not as many faces, because there's that been that many new members. Um, but, yeah, it seemed to be a lot more relaxed atmosphere up there. I didn't go up there when the game started going against us. And from what I gather from the feedback that we've had on the lessons learned, um, that there was one or two individuals who, who didn't really deal with that particularly well. I think a combination of alcohol and seeing us getting um, rough, rough ridden by the uh, the Broncos didn't go down well with them. Um, but the first I knew of that was when the lessons learned came in. Um, yeah. Actually, no, it was the morning after when I checked my messages because somebody messages to tell us tell us about that. Um, but other than that, I didn't really see much wrong. I know that the Bears fan got thrown out. Um, from what I gather, what he was doing, if, if this is correct, he was sneakily pouring beer on the four shirts, jerseys that were being given away. Mm. He'd been warned about it once. And the next time he did it, they caught him. And that's why he got kicked out. He'd had a lot to drink. He, he'd had far too much to drink. They took him outside. They got him a coffee. They eventually let him back inside. So I think they were happy enough that he'd sobered enough to, to come in and watch the rest of the uh, the game. Um, but that was the only kind of unsavory thing I saw. Downstairs, like you said, it was absolutely bouncing downstairs. And I, th I think that's partly to do with the fact that Joe was there, but mainly to do because there was a large contingent of the 49 fearful UK there who all knew each other and it kind of felt very um, relaxed, very natural to, to basically do what we were doing, um, basically going mental when we score that type of thing. So the venue itself, yeah, downstairs, it looked good. It had some areas where you could go down, sit down if you didn't want to stand up. I was like you, I stood up for the entire night. I didn't sit down until we got to that um, got to that sports bar later for the late games. Um, food and drink. Did, did you have anything to eat, anything to drink? I, I know you said you weren't drinking beer. No, I didn't have any food. I just wanted to, to circle back on something you said. Because we felt the vibe upstairs was quite chilled and calm, and you're right about the Bears fan, because he was near Nick Clark, and he got escorted out. And then that was when people from Tottenham Hotspurs ground were turning up. Yeah. The door staff were panicked it was going to go wrong. So me and yourself were kind of with the door staff, with the manager of the bar. And I think she was grateful for our support. So for me, I was thinking if it's going to bubble over anywhere, it's going to bubble over downstairs. Because like you said, there was you know a large number of us with people drinking. Um, so it was disappointing to hear that. Maybe there was, you know, take the eye off the ball upstairs. And it is a lesson learned. We'll go from that. But I wanted to give the door staff and the bar manager a shout out because I don't know if you've checked their social media. So me and her exchanged social media stories. She's followed the Instagram account. She shared some pretty decent posts. 
they have said the same as the boxing leads. Anytime you right. guys want to meet up, you come down here. Cause... Can, can you confirm, is she called Eve or Emma? Emma. Right, so she she's a part of the group now. Yeah, right. so she joined the group. Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was Emma. Um, and I wouldn't care, on Sunday night, I remember asking that exact question. Is it Eve or Emma? You said Eve. So I went over to Twitter and I called her Eve. <laughs> it was that loud. It was like yeah, when I yeah. did the interview with Chapman. I watched it back the next day and I've messaged him and said, John, you were right. I couldn't hear half the questions. And he did say to me, yeah. if you can't hear me, just go. Just do something. Yeah, yeah. Just We're not really interested. Well, I've got to say, when I did that Sky interview, we did go through the questions he wanted to ask before before we started. And the volume kind of lifted as I was doing the interview. So I couldn't hear what he was saying. But because we'd already gone through stuff, I assumed what he was going to ask us at each different question and that's the answers I, I kind of gave um i've never seen it back on sky because i didn't uh I, I didn't have the foresight to actually record that even though i knew i was going to be on um and i don't think there's any snippet of it out on the um out on the internet anyway. i haven't tried to find it yet but i'm going to because I've, I've been busy now yeah. the burger and chips that joe sterley had looked awesome when has put in the chat there that he had the chicken wings. Yeah, and so was the chicken wings is what I saw and I could smell and they they looked and smelt amazing. And I wish I'd uh, had had time to actually have some of that. And Mike's confirmed there that he was spilling beer on the shirts, but then Mike and his son acted as bodyguards. The shirts right. covered them with the flag to protect them. Yeah, and he sorted the, the spillage. And, and before you move on, Mike wanted to say thank you to you. Um, he said he felt like a superstar as you walked yeah. into the venue and gave a shout out. Now, we did try to get around everybody. We, we love the faithful. And I know as everybody was leaving, me and Gary made a big effort to kind of fist bump everybody. And I'm going to steal a bit of your thunder here. I didn't know who Rob Holden was. No idea. Right. And as he left the venue, I said, thanks for coming. He fist bumped me. He was like, do you want a photo? I was like, you want to take a photo? Yeah, that, that's fine. He was like, no, with me. And I was like, and he went, you don't know who I am, do you? I went, no idea. Don't do English football. And he started laughing. And then he took a photo and he sent it to his uh, pal. And he was like, I can't believe I'm in London at a sporting event and nobody knows who I am. And then he started yeah. like, it was tongue in cheek. He wasn't being big time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I didn't have the food. The feedback I've had, the food was pretty good. I thought the drinks were reasonably priced for London. Um, at this point, thank you to everybody who did buy me a drink. It is much appreciated. The amount of people who were like, you don't want a beer. You don't want a fireball. I was like, no, no, no. I don't want any of them. So I think the uh, the feedback I've had was the food and drink prices were pretty reasonable, especially given that we were in central London. Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, I think I was paying about £6.50 a pint, um, which which was nowhere near as expensive as uh, the Tottenham Stadium. That would be fantastic, Anthony. If you could get me that, that would be really great. Um, I'd, I'd love to see how that came out because I couldn't hear a word that he was saying. I'm not, I'm not sure if he could hear a word I was saying, um, but I kind of answered the questions as I thought they would go. The nachos and cheese, I, I wish I knew that nachos as well. I, I'd have had those. And then Colin had the burger and chips. Yeah. Now, I know at the so start... So hungry now. <laughs> I know, I'm glad I had my tea before we started. I know at the start when I was waiting for John Chapman to join, um, they were photographing some of the food and the bar staff were very keen that we kind of sampled the food. But I think even the bar staff, give them a shout out, Lee, as much as the venue was full of capacity, 
I didn't see any long queues for drinks. I didn't see any issues. The bar staff said they were quite happy that when they had to come out and collect the glasses, they had no issues. And again, we talk about the VIP section. Poole Joe and his wife, that's where they were collecting the glasses. So every 30 seconds, it seemed, there was someone from the bar pushing past them and it didn't phase him. Um, so I, if you said to me, we're having another meet-up at that venue, I would be happy. Um, I think so would the rest of the faithful go on off the comments in the chat. Yeah, so again, again, I'm going to go back to a contentious issue because it was the main issue that everybody's pulled out or the vast majority of people who, who couldn't get in. So yes, we, we did reach capacity. There was capacity issues at the overspill pub. Um, the, the one thing I would say about this, obviously the 49ers had already thought this could happen, which is why they said first come, first served. It was a free event, so nobody was out of pocket. Yes, you did have to travel there to get there. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you did know that it was first come, first serve and the doors opened at five o'clock. So it's okay being upset or, or being disappointed, I should say. But getting abusive to the door staff because you couldn't get in is not really on. I understand the, the disappointment, I do. But everybody knew about it. It was first come, first served. It was well advertised. We advertised it. We told people. We, we didn't expect it to fill, granted, but we told people. So I think from that respect, I think the the door staff were quite um, reserved in how they handled that. Obviously, they came out to speak to us uh, later on the night and said, look, can you put some sort of message out? Just tell people to go over to the overspill, um, which we did. Unfortunately, of course, all the giveaways had gone as well, which was unexpected. And, I, and what a lot of people don't know is there was a significant amount of giveaways damaged in the transport to the event, and uh, not to the event, to London. So we were supposed to have some UK-centric designed giveaways based off the, the 49th UK flag. Unfortunately, all of that was damaged in transit. I don't know what it is. I could make an assumption that there were T-shirts with some sort of flag printed on them with the event stuff and that they got water damaged. That's the only thing I can think of at the moment, but there would have been a significant more number of giveaways to, to hand out. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. So food and drink, um, I, I didn't have any food to drink. I thought it was reasonably priced when I was buying a drink. I'll echo what Paul said. Thank you to everybody that bought us a drink because I actually think I only bought two drinks and neither one of those drinks were for me. Um, they were for other people because people kept on buying us drinks all night. Um, rest assured, I did pay that forward the next morning and I tread both uh, Martin and Jay Peplo to breakfast in Dishoom, which I would thoroughly recommend. I would never ever have thought about going to an Indian restaurant for breakfast, but this one was ideal. Excellent. I was confused when you texted me that's where your breakfast was. I mean, me yeah. and Nick already had breakfast. And a good point when you said paying it forward there because you see it around our community all the time, don't you, Lee? I mean, I'm not going to embarrass someone on air, but I've agreed to pass a jersey on that's, that, that I don't no longer use. Um, and I like that element of our community. You pass it on. Um, Andy and Ard Smith, it's a nice point. They've got me a T-shirt, Lee, yeah. which pretty damn good. As I said on the live last night, Andy Smith and Ard, said, you know you've got a problem when you see an item of clothing and you automatically think of another man before you think of myself. So it was just, and while we've got there, there's a few um, comments in the chat, Lee, about the bar staff, never stopped all night. Service was exceptional. Um, Neil agrees. 
They didn't stop all night. They were polite. They were pleasant. And the two lads on the door were quite blown away when because they didn't know about American football. Yeah. Like, and they asked me, you know, do you guys work for the 49ers? And I was like, one day maybe. <laughs> one day, just aside. <laughs> but it just goes to show that, like you said, I think the, the feedback we got was they didn't notice any difference between me and you, Gary, Nick Ludlam, the other people part of the group, yeah. and Nick, Ali, and the 49ers. So I'm going to keep mentioning that because I'm blown away by that. So what I would say to everybody, if, if you had a really good time, please go onto their website and just review them and just say, say what you thought of the night, what you thought of the bar staff, because it, it will mean a lot to them. And they'll get a lot of uh, love from the company that they work for. I, I know their head office manager has reached out to me. Um, oh, I can't remember if it was yesterday or Monday. might have been Monday. Just to say, look, can we have a little bit of feedback? And I explained, I've done a um, lessons learned, so we'll, we'll gather that all together. I, I did explain that the two things that were potentially within their gift to change. So one of those was the sound system didn't work upstairs. So the people that were upstairs didn't hear the um, announcements for the prize, the prize giving. I, I think that could have been improved because I'm, I'm certain they've got a, a unified uh, comm system in there where it goes to both upstairs and downstairs, but it, it wasn't picked up, so they didn't know about that. Um, and I think the other bit was, I think they needed to kind of create some sort of corridor to get through with the food because the food was coming out the back where the media the media um, yeah. area was the media VIP area, and they were having to walk past everybody who stood up, bouncing up and down. And obviously that could have been a bit of a health and safety uh, risk there. Other than that, I don't think there's anything the venue itself could have done, because obviously the ticketing wasn't anything to do with them. That was the 49ers and Ticketmaster using whatever algorithm they used to to make sure that the, the bar was going to be full. Um, and I think, yeah, everything else went really well with that. So, obviously, the game didn't go to plan. The game didn't go to plan. I don't think we saw too much negativity in the event. I think everybody was just over the moon that we were there, that the 49ers were there, and, and Joe was being so, so pleasant with everyone. So I think that worked. I think as far as being within a good distance of public transport, that was great. Didn't have to walk for more than 10 minutes, max. Um, there was quite a few budget hotels in, in the region. Um, I stayed in one of those budget hotels, the Travel Lodge. I think that was the cheapest I could get. Um, unfortunately, two out of three lifts were broken. Um, and again, there's another story about that Travel Lodge. I'll, I'll, I may as well <laughs> tell you that one. So I was down in London from the Thursday, the Thursday and the Friday. I stayed up in Bloomsbury um, near Tottenham Court Road. And then I moved down to the travel lodge on the Saturday. So the Saturday, I couldn't get straight in, left me back there. We decided to go out uh, drinking and stuff like that. And then we came back about four o'clock and I managed to get checked in. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm feeling my throat going. <laughs> well, I stayed at the Premier Inn. Me and Nick shared a room to keep costs down. Oliver Stretfield was in the room, uh, the, the hotel that we were in, so was Sarah. Echo what you said, Lee, it was close to public transport. It was reasonably priced for central London. Um, just while you're taking a drink, the venue was supposed to, well, the event finished at half nine. Yeah. And I had a word with Emma and said, is the event closing at half nine? And she was like, look, 
we'll keep it open till 11 o'clock. But 11 o'clock is the latest. And I felt that was quite nice as well. That was like another 90 minutes. So there was no rush. I mean, a lot of people who must have been London-based, tubes, trains, as soon as the game yeah. finished, the venue rapidly emptied. But I did think it was quite nice. And even right at the end, there was the hardcore of us who were staying together. I never felt like we were ushered out. Um, and I just felt like when we left, the venue looked like it was kind of in one piece. And I'm smiling about to say that. I know that we're cleaning up. But yeah. when we left... It was with the compliments. And like you said, if you check out the social media, the bar, they're absolutely loving that we've been in there. And I've shared some stuff on our Instagram account. Great. So so back to the last hotel story, now, now that I'm not coughing my head off. So I managed to get checked in about 4 o'clock Saturday afternoon. Um, I was given the key. Like I said, two, two out of three of the elevators weren't uh, working, so I had to wait a little bit. My luck, I was on the top floor. Went all the way up the top floor, room 708. Case, have a sack on me back, put the door key in, kind of kick the door open, and he's a half-naked man walking out the bathroom after just getting out the shower. So the hotel had given us somebody else's room who was already there. So I had to go back downstairs and say, look, he's just giving us somebody else's room. The guy was coming out of the shower. They're ever so apologetic, but then the, the words they uttered were, I can't believe it's happened again. <laughs> it had happened three times already that day where they'd given the wrong card key to somebody and then walked in on somebody else in that room. And so what room number did you say that was? What room number did you say that was? That was 708. All right. So was that the presidential suite that no, I no, just put the across the bottom? That's when you said it was a top floor. <laughs> this was a travel lodge. They're all basically clean as cupboards. That's all they were. <laughs> Um, so that was interesting to uh, to wander into that after the two nights of luxury I'd had up in uh, Bloomsbury. So, as you said, the event finished at half nine. They kept the uh, room up until 11. <coughs> How did you think the uh, the door staff, the venue, kind of dealt with that up until 11 o'clock? With what, like, you mean people coming and going or...? Yeah, did they, did they make any sort of effort to kind of usher people out quicker? No, to be honest, um, Gary, I'll give Gary a big shout out here. When the first wave of people started to leave, I noticed Gary stood by the door um, and he was kind of, you know, thanking everyone for coming. So I went and stood the other side of the door. Um, so as people were leaving, me and Gary were saying thank you. And one of the door lads said to me, oh, I can go and have a break now. You two have got this in control. And Emma was like, all right, if the lads go and have like a quick drink. We were like, yeah, no problem. So me and Gary unofficially became uh, the doorman for about 10 minutes. And then when he came back, he was just saying how well behaved everyone had been. They'd been told by Emma that we'd got to 11 o'clock. Basically, could about half 10, could we really start us from people? And I did feel that last half an hour, they didn't really want us to go. And it got to about 10 to 11. I think we naturally left. And I think there was literally us and the band and we'll get to the band in a minute because we've got to talk about the band, Lee, because Gavin and Strangers were awesome. But I think the two Dar lads deserve a lot of credit because it was a big crowd. They didn't seem to get arsy with anyone from what I could see. And um, like I said, I felt that they were only closing because they had to. And I don't think they wanted us to go because obviously we were spending money, we were buying drinks. And that's one of the lessons learned that I think either side of the event, I would have liked more time with the 49 Faithful UK you know, we've all talked about that night up in Edinburgh when we beat the Saints. A big part of that night was the fact that we were all able to celebrate together long into the night and 
previous meetup, like Leeds last year, we all got to Leeds for dinner time. We took over the box and we were there before the game started and you, you felt like you made those connections with people. And we always say, once you've been to one meetup, you want to come to another one. And, and I did see a lot of familiar faces, a lot of new faces, but no, for me, the door staff were excellent. They can't speak highly enough of them. And I was stone cold sober. So it's not like I'm talking through <laughs> a bit of a haze. So for me, yeah, they, they were fantastic to, to quote you. Great. Great. So what, what else can we talk about, about the uh, actual watch party itself? The, the, the quality of the giveaways. So the giveaways that we had. So, <laughs> so I'll have to share now. So when we got to London, Oliver, he's a big strapping lad. He's definitely had his spinach for those Popeye fans out there. And when the first tube we got on Lee, he was um, accosted by the uh, Transport for London staff member and he had to help um, a wheelchair user off the tube. So I don't know what was more confused, the fact that they saw all those northerners, a couple of Welshmen decked out in Niners gear and then Oliver flinging someone off the tube in a wheelchair. But uh, the, the giveaways, um, I didn't expect a bobblehead. All of us who collect our trinkets, I've got mine behind me in the cabinet, they're kind of like gold dust for want of a better word uh, I think there was the Joe Staley apron now I did try to grab a couple of spare posters with the aim of giving them away on the pod or on the live show um, one poster there was a young chap I want to say 8 or 9 there with his dad and he was getting his bobblehead signed with Joe Staley and he didn't have a poster so I remember giving him a poster sorry Connor that's where your poster went and then I had one spare one, Lee, as we left the venue and we got halfway down the street and your Ben said, oh, I've lost my poster, Paul. So I was like, oh, there you go, Ben. So a few people had reached out to us and asked for, for us to grab spare giveaways like we've done at previous meetups. But like you said, Lee, there was literally nothing left when we left right. the venue at the end of the night. Qu quickly remind us, there, there was a poster, there was a bobblehead and there was something else, wasn't there? There was the Joe Staley apron, but there wasn't many right. of them. Yeah. I did see a few people with them. So I'll be honest, me and Lee, when we were first in the venue, we didn't get a giveaway, for want of a better word. We were letting the crowd come in. Once everybody was through the door, um, I do remember seeing you with a little haul, Gary yeah. with a little haul. And I thought, I am a fan as well. So I, I went and got myself a bobblehead. I got myself um, a poster. But whilst we're talking about giveaways most people brought something for Joe to sign. And I have to admit, I did feel, was it going to be cheeky? But echoing what I said before, he was so accommodating. So Tracy bought me a mini chrome helmet a few years ago. And she'd always said that she likes me, my collection to have meaning, to have stories behind it. Um, got Nick Ludlam's white pen, went over to Joe very sheepishly. And he was like, I will sign whatever you want me to sign. And he must have signed his signature thousands of times yeah, on Sunday yeah, night. Definitely. And he never once got grumpy and never once got mardy with it. So I think Nick Clark had something up his sleeves, like you said, for a giveaway. Because you teased it to me weeks ago, which you're very good at doing. And I was when I first got there, I saw the table outside and I thought, where's he got this stash hidden? Because Nick Clark loves to give freebies away. But I think given how awesome Joe was, I think any disappointment that the giveaways weren't as, um, I wouldn't say good as last time, but in Leeds, there was a lot for everybody, wasn't there? And even the the raffles, I like the fact that everybody got a free ticket. 
everybody had the same chance of winning. And then Neil Gray mentioned it earlier. Joe Staley had his own Staley 74 jersey on. And right at the end of the night, he was like, there's one more giveaway, Nick. There's one more giveaway. Whipped his shirt off, signed it. But we've got to give Nick Clark his one embarrassing moment. So we're all stood at the end of the first quarter. Everyone's got a raffle ticket. Nick Clark gets the crowd going. And on the raffle ticket, there was a big number. So mine was 35. And on the top, there was a little number, 97408. So I'm stood. And Nick Clark goes. And the winner of 974. I was like, I've won. I've won. To which you did the same. Gary Thorpe did the same. Yeah. Nick Ludlam did the same. And then Nick Clark quickly realised he'd read the ticket number at the top. And when we quickly pointed it out to him, he was like, that's what we read out in the States, the number on the top, not the number in the middle. So if, if you recall, he did do that in Leeds as well. Uh, and I have a theory that he's just trying to get everybody worked up, thinking they've won something. And then he gives out the proper number. But yeah, it was the serial number he was reading off the, uh, the roll of tickets. But, uh, yeah, that, that was quite funny. That was quite funny. So, again, showing the community spirit. Um, Paul has put, he's got a bobblehead unsigned as his wife has agreed to give hers up. If you don't mind, Paul, I don't know whether we should do that as a giveaway, Lee, because I know someone else in the group has got that. Maybe do something on the pod, or should we just yeah, let Paul give it so. to someone? I mean, you've just reminded us there, so I, I need to get this sorted, but I do have some giveaways that I was actually given last year when I was out <laughs> at Levi's. Um, I'm not sure if Beth actually listens to this show, so Beth Real met up with her when I was at the... Uh, I think it was the Saints game, the first of the two games I was out there to see. And she brought us a little bag of goodies. They were kind of the, the game day giveaways that she'd accrued over the years. Said, if you don't uh, mind, can you give these away on the, the podcast, on the show? And then people have a chance to win them. So I, I need to work out how we're going to do that. And I've got some stuff there to, to give away as well. Um, but yeah, thank you very much, but, uh, Paul. If you want to do that, that's great. So, um, Paul's jumped in there, everybody. Yeah, yeah. I like that idea, Paul. Yeah. So, what we'll do, Paul, as it's your bobblehead, we'll get you on one of the live shows because it's easier to squeeze in the live show than it is on the, the, the Awesome Foursome podcast. And we'll do a little giveaway. Maybe Paul can ask a would you rather at the same time, Lee, and then we can do a live draw on air. So, yeah. I'll be in touch after this, Paul, but thank you very much. And Dan Jerome has put there that he had a Niners ball, threw it to Joe in the queue. Joe signed it, and as Mike has put, I think everybody's takeaways, Lee, is they're just more than happy with, with Joe. I mean, when Mason ran that touchdown in, Joe Staley high-fived me, he hugged me, he was jumping up and down with me, and I said to Tracy, I never thought that I would get a higher feeling watching the 49ers than I did when CMC scored against the Eagles at Ellen Road, and that was the biggest watch party to date. Joe's just added another level of that, and I'm sure yeah. everybody watching has got their own your story that they're dying to share my colleagues at work are sick of seeing photos of me with joe but i'm not going to stop sharing them lee now we've got the high res version off wayne as well yep really good photos indeed really good weekend already looking forward to the next um as far as regular season watch parties go that will be the only one this year because they're difficult now the only other six o'clock game is the jags game <clears throat> However, if we do get the NFC Championship or the Super Bowl, I'm pretty much guarantee you there will be a watch party there. I would imagine that would be up at Leeds at Ellen Road because 
they've already got the the blueprint for that one it worked well last year for the nfc championship game um and the fact that uh, it'll be during the playoffs means that uh, nick wouldn't be able to come over to do that and the the leeds crew have offered to do that um so obviously nick would be doing whatever takeover of whichever city it's in it could actually be at levi's if it's at levi's there'll be something planned where nick would have to be there anyway um but yeah so it's very likely if we have a playoff run we might all get together at leeds at ellen road again and that should be something special one of the venues we did talk about last friday was box park wembley so box park wembley is significantly bigger than anything there they've looked at before it's got a capacity of 2000 um the main area is the floor area it does have an upper area on the sides but you can get more than enough people on that ground area to, to fill out at least over a thousand you're probably just talking about 1250 on the on the ground floor 750 up above um and it's obviously because it's all open plan the the higher floor kind of rings round the, the lower floor and then you've got a gigantic screen in the middle so that that is an option but obviously it all depends on what sporting events is happening in london at the time um, I think that's the thing that they found most challenging about this particular weekend. The fact the Rugby World Cup was on. Um, the Broadleaf wasn't the first venue. Neither was the, the Long Arm Sports Bar either. They looked at other places and they couldn't get them because of the Rugby World Cup. The place that we saw that we were at on the Friday night and, and looked a decent place. Like I said, I wasn't sure at first, but it looked a decent place. It was directly opposite Victoria Tube Station or uh, Victoria Train Station. Um, which means transport in and out it is absolutely perfect for that one. Just straight across the road, literally two minutes. Um, they do really good beers. It was quite quite reasonably cheap again for London. I think I think it was five pound thirty a pint. Um, pint of Moretti in there, so it was a little bit cheaper than the Broadleaf. And there's a load of hotels around there as well. W for Wembley. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you, Wayne. Yeah, I like that actually. I'm going to mention that to Nick. I'm going to mention that. So I think that's pretty much it done. I, I don't think there's much more we can say about the watch party. I think everything, the whole atmosphere, the way it was done, went really well. Um, obviously, Nick brought all that energy, which was good. He, he had everybody going, which was surprising because it was a tough game to watch. Um, I think we all acknowledged that. And um, hopefully next time that the 49ers come over as a watch party, we will finally get that W. And hopefully that W might be in Wembley because that so would be perfect. Dan has said there, Dan's failing you to the group. I know he was grateful for you to sort in the flag and the patch. Um, Dan also brought a jersey to give away to someone, but they hadn't made it to the watch party. So yeah. Dan may be looking to hand that to someone else if the person doesn't get in touch. But he's put there. One thing I'll end on is that he's gone from being a lonely Niner fan in London to being part of a really cool group really quick. It's great. Facebook, Instagram, the live, the meetups. So we do appreciate your feedback, Dan. Now, Lee. Yeah, cheers, Dan. We do have to talk about, and I'm just going to play this first. Yeah. So the music hasn't worked as well as it did last night, but the gathering of strangers, the band. Now, as much as Joe was awesome, taking nothing away from Joe, the fact that the band came over to me and you, introduced themselves, thanked me and you because they've said at all their gigs there's just an influx of Niners fans they allow us to use their red and gold song 
on the Tuesday. It's the same song that the Niners run out to at Levi's and partying with the band and with Joe. The pause for photos at the end. They all had Niners jerseys on. And if you haven't checked out the band, please do so because they're a UK band. They're just starting out. And the fact that when you reached out to them, Lee, and asked if we could use their song on a Tuesday, and they've said they've noticed that I use it a lot to promote on our Instagram, and they said they're still blown away that the reaction they got. And, I mean, that clip, it worked better on the live last night, but basically the band got their phone out, started playing the song, Nick Clark played it. We were all cheering and singing. And that was during a difficult game, as you said. And even when the game was over, we're known on the 49 FFL UK for making the most of it. We had a smile on our faces. And I just thought we had to mention the Gavin and Strangers when we're talking about the watch party. Yep, definitely. Most definitely. Um, so just one more comment that's just come in there. So I'm, I'm probably going to butcher your name, but to me that says Ian. I don't know if that is right. I think it's Owen. Owen. I'm not, I'm not Owen. great with my pronunciation, so All I call right. him Mr. Farrell, which he's told right. me off about now. Before you read it out, I was supposed to connect a FaceTime video, but their venue was too loud. Our venue was too loud, but there is plans to connect. So what I was going to say is um, you reached out to uh, Paul via Twitter a a while ago about uh, some of the giveaways. So I've still got quite a few of the the supporters' flags and the 75 rally towels um, basically in a box in in my garage. So what I'm going to do, I'll, I'll wear them. I'll get an um, I'll get an indicative price for shipping them across the island, and then I'll let you know how much that's going to cost. So if you can cover the cost of shipping, I, I can ship a boatload out. I think you had about forty at your last meetup. So if I send you fifty of each across, I think that should do you for the, your next meetup. Um, and the, the good stuff, uh, you get a, you get a flag and a rally towel. It's quite good. Ho- hopefully, I've got fifty of each left. I, I need to go through them and check. Dublin was on your list. Before the bloody Ireland. pandemic, well, Ireland, yeah, Ireland or Northern Dublin. Ireland, Ireland, yeah, or we were looking at so that. It, we? was, it was either going to be Dublin or it was going to be um, Belfast, one of the two. And um, the reason Belfast was attractive because it was cheaper than Dublin, and we kind of had not a ready-made venue, but a venue that we could have solely for ourselves. It was it was a dart social club, huge screens in there, and we could use um, a dodgy stream. Um, and when I say a dodgy stream, it had been Dazen. It had been Dazen, but we could have streamed it in there because it wasn't like a, a mainstream bar or anything. Um, it would have been cheap beer, cheap food, a little bit out of the way of uh, the main centre of Belfast. I think it's about a 15-minute uh, taxi ride. But everything about the place kind of kind of struck us though. That's probably a good place to have a meet-up. One of the things that people have said, who's been to both 49 and for UK meetup and an official 49ers watch party, they all preferred, b- believe it or not, they all preferred the 49er Fair for UK meetup because it felt as though people were talking a lot more to each other. It felt a lot more social. Whereas when you go to the watch party, it, it's all about the Niners and you don't yeah. talk to people as much because you went to hear what the Niners are saying. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's quite good. It, it, it might still happen. It might still happen. We might get across there. The, the problem we've got now is because we know there's going to be a watch party in the UK, wherever it is, 
everybody's going to be spending money traveling to there. So it's, it's transport costs, it's hotel costs, it's food, it's drink, it becomes expensive, which is why I've kind of not looked at having a meetup other than the Super Bowl meetup. And even then, I'm in a catch-22 situation now. Now that the 49ers are there, and now that I know they will have a watch party if we get the Super Bowl. If I arrange a Super Bowl meetup, it will inevitably mean people's going to have to give me money to secure that location. And that could be £20, it could be £25. But then, as well as that, you've got people who, who travel. Like Grim Kittrick, he travels over from Ireland. You've got the guys that are coming down from Scotland, people that are coming from um, North Wales, South Wales, all travelling up to the venue, which is generally in Newcastle. It's only once that we haven't been in Newcastle. But then they've got uh, prepaid hotels, prepaid travel there. And if we suddenly get to the Super Bowl and the 49ers come over and have a watch party, it kind of spoils all that because they can no longer afford to go to the watch party. But I think the vast majority of us who've organised the watch party, uh, the meetup, the 49er Faithful UK meetup, we'd be going to the watch party, the official one. So that's why what happens now is I'm going to have to leave it until the very last minute. I'm going to have to leave it until after the NFC Championship game. If we don't get there, then I can try and hurriedly get something put in place so we can all watch the Super Bowl, the season finale together, have a few drinks. And because we're not there, we'll all be yeah, getting drunk and talking, commiserating ourselves with each other. But if we do get there, then it's obviously going to be a 49ers watch party. And again, everybody's kind of restricted to a two-week time frame in which they have to book hotels, book travel and get down there. But doing it twice isn't kind of fair because people can't afford to do that twice. No, and, I mean, and that's why I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'm, I'm going to wait until after the NFC Championship game. I mean, a few people had reached out with me, Lee, and said, is Lee doing a Super Bowl party? And to give some of the newer members the context, when we first do, started doing the watch parties, there was a handful of us. So Newcastle became the Super Bowl meetup because you can probably tell by the accents, me and Lee are based in the north, people who tended to come getting to the north wasn't as bad i think we had eight at the first one which was a horrific yeah. rams patriots super bowl then we had the epic run when we went to the super bowl against the chiefs didn't get the result we wanted and i think you're right i think the niners have said if we're there it'll be ellen road because it'll be if the fixture list allows given i don't know what leads will be doing around about that time but oliver's put there that i think the reason for that feedback lee is last year the first official 49ers meet-up. We knew it was going to be the box. We kind of were worried back then. We weren't going to get everybody yeah. in. So we took over that bar, like what Breezy and Chapman do. We did our own unofficial invasion, and that allowed the atmosphere to build. Um, I think the reason Nick didn't go like that this year, Oliver, is he wanted the queue outside, which is fair enough. But I do think there could be a nice mix moving forward because that's one of my biggest things that I'm missing, Lee, is I love our community. I love meeting up with people and talking football before the game goes on and before yeah. the razzmatazz because Nick Clark is great at what he does. And again, on Sunday, a lot of people left. But some of the highlights for me is that the, the group of us that were left at the end and then we had that slow walk to the sports bar yeah. and we could exchange our stories. That's why I didn't rush off back home on the Monday. You said about your train getting cancelled. Yeah. I'm feeling guilty because I've got my, my money back off the train. But the train getting cancelled worked in my favour, because I got to share the train home with you and Ben. So we got to continue the weekend yeah, and talk football and, yeah. and, and all the rest of it. 
so what so what I'll say about what um what what Ollie's just mentioned there. So so that was our intention on Sunday. It was to actually find a bar before we actually got to the menu. So we'd all have a drink, we can all talk about it. We, we didn't really expect the service in the pizza place to be as slow as it what it was. But to be fair to them, I mean there was a huge group of us. Um I, I think there was fourteen of us in in the pizza shop pizza shop restaurant and they wanted to kind of service all at the same time which is why i think it took so long um had it not been for that i think we'd all been in a bar actually having that chat that social activity beforehand um it's it's definitely something to bear in mind for the future um if we're going to get something to eat get somewhere where we can like sit in a bar and uh, and eat um i think that would be better um that, that's no knock on jips because i thought the pizza was absolutely Absolutely that excellent. Amazing, um, that, yeah. that spicy Spanish sausage, um, it kind of hit the mark. Um, but yeah, that, that's something for the future. Um, other than that, have you got anything else, Paul, that you want to say about the actual watch party itself? Please, please share your photos on social media. And videos. Videos, footage, feedback. You know I love my social media, everyone. Tag the 49 Faithful UK on Twitter. It's explodedly. We normally get good traction on our social media, but given that Joe Staley's in so many of the photos, a lot of the content creators across the pond have reached out and congratulated us on an epic watch party um, and obviously having Joe there. Please, if you're in the Facebook group, head over to Complete Lee's survey. He does collate all the answers. He does feed them all back to the 49ers. We're not naive enough to think it was all 100% perfect. Um, Lee, is very good at what he does. I work with local authority, so between us, the admins that we've got working behind the scenes, we do listen to the feedback and we do try and improve on some of the issues you've raised. But we only know about it, Lee, if people tell us. I will say we are only fans in the venue. I think we try to get a good mix between me and Lee kind of being there to help people, but equally enjoy the game as well. We've spent our hard-earned money on travel down, on hotels, but... Again, I, th- I just I'm smiling because the title of this show says it all. It was the biggest one yet. The result was immaterial to me. It didn't matter whether we won or lost. The fact that everyone's still beaming, but do please share those stories, share those pictures, and one last shout out: Wayne, 417 photos of epicness. Well documented what you do for this group, buddy. It's fantastic the work you do, and Lee. Less than a month till we go up the gold mine, buddy. Less than a month. Less than a month indeed. That is going to be an epic trip. I, I can't wait for that. I'm still going through in my mind exactly what, what that entails over the weekend. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to that. Play, playing um, Russian roulette with the Stanford tickets and the Seattle tickets is uh, giving me more grey hairs than I, I need, especially after last weekend. But um, yeah, looking forward to that. So I'm, I'm going to finish off by being really, really cheeky, really cheeky. <laughs> so as you know, there's an international fan of NFL fan of the year. I have thrown my hat into the ring for that, and I would appreciate uh, all the support I can get for that. Um, and I know it's something that the uh, the 49ers are looking at, and they're quite excited about that, um, especially with the UK marketing rights. I think there's going to be a lot of um, competition there from both Mexico and Germany because they've got amazing fan bases for the 49ers in both those countries. Absolute amazing guys. I've I've met both the Germans and the Mexicans, um, so that there's a lot of um, a lot of competition there. 
but if you if you can see yourself doing it please uh support me in that uh in that epic epic trip to becoming the nfl international fan of the year say no more el presidente we'll get the vote campaign started here i'll get the link tweeted out and um, we'll get as nick has put there hashtag vote lee but all jokes aside you do a fantastic job for this community i'm always proud to see you representing on sky sports um as I've said to many people at the watch party, me and you are good friends. We talk on and off the field. The gold mine trip for me wouldn't have been possible without you. So anything I can do to support you, winning. Because Cheers, let's man. face it, Nick Clark would be in his element. You, you've been over several times. You've, you've said there you went out for the Giants game. You're out for the gold mine. Um, someone put in the Gathering of Strangers have got a concert on the 24th of November. I was like... I'll have nothing left after the gold mine. <laughs> I'm going to have to stay in for a little bit. But we will get the link tweeted out. And as Lee said, it doesn't ask for much from the community. So let's rally behind and let's get Lee Gowland as the NFL International Fan of the Year. Cheers, Paul. Right. The only thing left to say is go Niners. Go Niners. We love the San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, Stiff Farm going 99. Don't get it twisted. One and all with Rob Tom. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the side.